Welcome to River Life Podcasts. We're a church family embracing the Father's presence, releasing empowered people to declare and demonstrate Christ's kingdom. We trust that God would use what you hear today to bless and grow you so that you would be a blessing to those around you. For more information about River Life Baptist Church, go to riverlifechurch.org.au or find us on social media. You know, uh, Anna just mentioned that there's, there's definitely power in words, isn't there? There's Words mean things, they're important things, and when we identify with those words and we understand what words are saying into our own lives, um, they can either go to a whole nother level of us, not just hearing them, but understanding them, moving into believing in what those things are said about us. I'm learning a whole new language at the moment. It's called teenage. Um, you know, I'm, I'm just trying to learn and keep up with all the various stuff that comes home going, so what does that actually mean? Because, you know, you'll say one thing one week and it'll mean something slightly different a year later, right? You know, it's just language evolves, it changes. And uh, today I kind of want us to come around a sense of unity around what we mean by some definitions of words, by what we mean and understand them to be as a church together. For instance, I wonder what you think about when I say the word gospel. What is the gospel? A lot of stuff going on about this at the moment. You can even find movies that will proclaim to be able to say what the gospel is. Well, what is the gospel? Interesting question. I started to think, what does the gospel mean? What does it mean for some people thinking about uh, who have no connection to the church whatsoever? Because that's a very Christianese kind of word, isn't it? It's a word that a certain generation will understand and a certain group of people who might have been brought up in a church to understand maybe what that means. But I wonder what that would mean or what people think of even about Christianity, what they think about with regards to what life is really all about, maybe what life is about forever. Monty Python and the search for the Holy Grail. There's a wonderful scene where you have King Arthur and his knights entering the bridge of death. Every knight has to, well, the bridge of death, it's a, a chasm of abyss beneath and there's flames and fire and all sorts going on underneath. And, and, and Arthur has to cross over with his knights to the other side. But there is a, a bridge keeper, a, a guy who stands there and keeps people at the bridge from entering. And you can only get across to the other side if you answer three questions correctly. So the first of the knights, he walks up and he says, uh, the troll master, the gatekeeper says at the bridge, what is your name? And he says, my name is Sir Lancelot of Camelot. And he says, what do you seek? He says, I seek the grail. And he goes, what is your favorite color? And he says, blue. And he goes, okay, you can cross over. And he crosses over to the other side. And one by one, the next one comes. And the next one thinks, this is easy. And he walks up and he says to the gatekeeper, and he says, what is your name? And he answers him. And then he says, what is the capital? Or what is your, what is your, uh, your quest? He says to seek the grail. He says, what is the capital of Assyria? And he goes, I don't know. And all of a sudden, ah, he's plunged into the abyss. 
The third guy comes up, now he's a little terrified. He's thinking, was it as easy as the first guy, as hard as the second guy? And he's asked the three questions and he ends up, what's your favorite color? And he says, uh, red, no, but, uh, and he changes his mind, he's thrown into the abyss. The last guy comes up and it's King Arthur. And King Arthur said, what is your name? And he says, my name is uh, King Arthur, King of the Britons. He says, what is your quest to seek the grail? And he says, then what is the velocity, air terminal velocity speed of an unladen swallow? And he says, what do you mean, an African or a European swallow? And the gatekeeper goes, ah, <laughs> and flies into the abyss. I think it's a picture that a lot of people have that that's what the gospel's like. The gospel is a, there's this kind of gonna be a ramp from here to the other side, like the bridge of death. And those willing to enter the other side will be asked a series of questions. And, and if you can provide the right answers to the right questions, then that's gonna get you to the other side. The problem is that this misunderstanding brings little relevance to today, right now. It doesn't give people a good reason for what's now. Secondly, the outcome is that people get to heaven deal done and then they think they can live any which way they want. This is not the gospel of Jesus. The gospel of Jesus is not answering a particular set of questions correctly so that you might get to the other side. Did you know that the word gospel literally means in the Greek good news? It means good news. And you see Jesus continually going on talking about what this gospel is, what this good news is. And he talks about it all the time. And he says things like this, the kingdom of heaven is like this, and goes on to give an analogy and understanding. Or we read things like out of Matthew chapter four, where Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom, the good news of the kingdom. We're told that we are to seek first the kingdom of God, and that the kingdom of God has come near. You see, the gospel that Jesus preached was the kingdom of God. That was the good news he came with, that there is a kingdom and it's God's kingdom and it's coming in, it's breaking in through Jesus right now. Once Jesus started to build a following of disciples and called them out, he adopted a strategy to be able to communicate the message of the kingdom, this good news of the kingdom. It tells us in Luke chapter nine, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. After Jesus had been crucified and resurrected, he gathered his disciples together, teaching them in preparation for his ascension and their ongoing ministry through the church. And he gathers them together in Acts chapter one and we, we read this. He says, after his suffering, he showed himself to these men and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. 
He appeared to them for a period of over 40 days. Now, think about this. Jesus has been raised from the dead. You'd known his ministry beforehand. You'd seen his, his, the, the kingdom expressed through him. You got a, a, an, a, an understanding of what the kingdom looked like through what Jesus did, how he acted, because he said, I, I'm bringing the kingdom. The kingdom of God's drawing near right at this moment in time. And then he sets them up for what is going to be their ongoing mission of this kingdom of God. And you can imagine that after his ascension, you are all ears as to what Jesus wants to tell you is going to be really, really important to keep doing, right? You're going to be fixated on what he has to say at this moment in time. And for 40 days, he appears before them and spoke, it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 3, about the kingdom of God. The glass glimpse you'll see of the apostle Paul right at the end of Acts is that he's been in prison for quite a while and now he's under house arrest. And for the last two years of his ministry, people are coming to his house. And it says this in Acts chapter 28. It says, boldly and without hindrance, he preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. He preached the kingdom of God and taught about the Lord Jesus Christ. If you're going to answer in a one phrase answer the question, what was the gospel Jesus preached? You would have to answer the kingdom of God. God's power, God's presence, God's reign now available to ordinary human beings accessible through Jesus. The invitation from Jesus is that every single one of us can live in his kingdom under his reign and rule if we want to. Walk right on in. That's really good news. That's why it's called the gospel. It's really good news. Now in light of that, I think what's desperately tragic is millions of Christians have substituted another gospel for the gospel of Jesus Christ. They wouldn't admit to it, and they perhaps wouldn't express it in these words, but it would be that the gospel is a statement of the minimal requirements for getting into heaven when you die. That would be their definition of the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 15. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the gospel. Repent and believe the good news. Dallas Willard paraphrases it this way. All the preliminaries have been taken care of and the kingdom of God is now accessible to everyone. View your plans for living and base your life on this remarkable opportunity. That's the gospel of Jesus. The remarkable opportunity is that the kingdom would now be available because of and through Jesus. 
God's reign, God's power, God's presence, God's provision are now available to all who want to have Jesus, his life, lived through them. Jesus' life was all about demonstrating how to live in that kingdom. And he says the conditions to receive this are to one, repent, review your plans for living, review and change your mind about who's in charge of your life, and change them to God's plans. Repent and believe. Meaning literally to abandon confidence in yourself, abandon confidence in what the world has to offer. Risk your life and place your trust in God who has the capacity to be able to deliver what he promises. Repent and believe. This is the gospel of Jesus. That's incredibly good news. Now the entry point into the kingdom of God only comes through the king, King Jesus. There is no other way to live within this proclaimed kingdom than other to come through Jesus. Now, of course, this includes the very things that perhaps traditionally or in a very narrow viewpoint we would understand what some people think the gospel is. It means that we are in understanding that there is a recognition that each of us has run our own life. There's sin inside of each of us. We've messed up. We've not recognized that God is the one in authority, in control, in whom we come to. And this sin that is within us needs to be forgiven. We need a savior because there's a consequence for our sin. For all have sinned and fallen short of this glorious God, of the glory of God, we need to find a way in which we might be reconciled, brought back into a right relationship with God. And it only happens through Jesus. This is also really good news, isn't it? This is also an understanding of the gospel. There's a transference of the righteousness of Jesus into my life in order that I might be made right with this holy God whom I can approach in no other way than through the Son, through Jesus. It's given this righteousness through faith in Jesus Christ. Because we know that our sin, the way in which we have run our own lives, will one day be judged. The Bible tells us that the wages of sin are death. Separation eternally from the goodness and the love of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. This is good news, right? This is still really good news. If you want to put it in a, a biblical language, this is still 
the gospel. But this is the gospel of our Savior, the salvation that we find in Jesus. This is the gospel of salvation. And it's the doorway, it is the entry point into the gospel Jesus talked about, which is the kingdom of God. It's the only way in, but when you're in, you now have a new king because you've submitted your life into the lordship of King Jesus. He's the one in whom you now give authority to and you submit to and ask him to come and lead your life. This gospel of salvation leads us into the kingdom of God, but the gospel that Jesus talked about is this kingdom of God. It's the entry point into something way bigger. You see, without the cross and the resurrection, we don't have a king. We don't have that blameless, perfect sacrifice to enable us to be forgiven and made acceptable to a holy God. But if we want to term the gospel as just a bunch of questions that we can answer the right answers to so that we might get across to the other side, we fall short of the gospel that Jesus was preaching. We fall short because the gospel Jesus preaches is not the gospel of salvation alone. He preaches the gospel of the kingdom. That you can now live under the reign of the king and his provision and his power and his purposes are lived out through the subjects of his kingdom in the world wherever they go and whatever they do. Jesus has one message about the kingdom of God. Jesus' one purpose was to preach this kingdom, to model that kingdom, to manifest the reality of that kingdom through his miraculous life and miracles. Jesus' one desire is that each person may enter that kingdom. Jesus did all this through his life, his death, and his resurrection. Jesus' one command was to seek first the kingdom of God, and Jesus' one plan was for people to extend that kingdom. This is really good news. That's why it's called the gospel. See, we don't use the word kingdom a lot. It's Again, a, a kind of a, either an old-fashioned term that you might understand if there was kings floating around. But let me explain it to you a little bit. From a biblical point of view, everybody has a kingdom. Our kingdom is that little sphere in which what we say goes. It's the effective range of our will. It's the effective range of our will. My wife has a bigger kingdom than me, okay? That's just how it works. Everybody, in fact, has their little kingdom. When little kids grow up, one of the first words they learn is no. No. Uh-uh. This is my kingdom. It plays under my rules. Uh-uh. Me. My kingdom. I was one of three kids growing up. And we would take road trips and in the back seat of that car, you would quickly delineate your kingdom. You would mark out territory. You would mark out borders and boundaries. Anyone else? And you would, you would say, now, you would go to war for your kingdom if someone came into your kingdom's space, correct? And you would start to go to war. And dad would say from the front seat, 
don't you want me to come back there? And you well knew that going 100 kilometers an hour down the freeway, that he can't come back there. So you continue to wage war with the other kingdoms and the back seat of the car. But dad says again, the whole car is my kingdom. Don't make me come back there. And so he sends out his ambassador, Mr. Hand. And Mr. Hand looks to grope to see what it can grab and mutilate. And every single kid in the back seat retreats to the far corner of their kingdom so that they wouldn't be the one who was grabbed by Mr. Hand. And then dad knowingly would just tap on the brakes so that everyone would fall back into his kingdom. Because the motto for him was, thy kingdom come in the car as it is in the driveway. That, that, that's what his, his understanding was, that whole car is my kingdom, it all play under my rules. Our kingdom is the range of our effective will, our rule, our domain, and we're all wired to do this. Right back in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over the wild animals, over the creatures that move along the ground. God made us to rule. Having a kingdom is vitally connected to the whole concept of being made in the image of God. God did not give dominion or rule to any other created being than to us. Angels, demons within the heavenly realms, there's authority, there's dominion, there's rule. Here on earth, we're it. God made us this way. Sadly, you see, though, our kingdoms are all perverted, they're, they're littered by sin. See, when you try to live out the kingdom without under being under the reign of the king, guess who becomes king? If you don't submit to the real king and you just try to live out the kingdom, this is who king is. And when this is who king is, and we all have our little spheres and domains of, of our effective will, we make it work for our pleasure and our, what we consider right or wrong. And you've got families like that, and you have villages like that, and then you have cities like that, you have corporations like that, you have governments like that, and all of these conglomerated together a kingdom of the earth. Kingdoms are essentially networks or systems of power and control. That's what happens in the kingdom of earth. But you see, God has a kingdom. In contrast, Jesus says there's a domain called the kingdom of God. That's his good news. That was the gospel he preached. And this kingdom is the range of God's effective will. This is clearly seen when Jesus teaches his disciples to pray. In Matthew chapter 6, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's kingdom in the, is the sphere in which everything that happens is according to his will, meeting with his approval and his delight, happening precisely the way he wants. 
God's kingdom is not a physical location, being omnipresent, being everywhere all at once. It's not so limited then by geography. God's kingdom is determined greatly by what he does and is added to by what people voluntarily do who live according to his revealed will. You can align yourself with the kingdom of the earth or you can align yourself under the king in the kingdom of God. You can only align yourself under that kingdom of God and under King Jesus when you come to him through the doorway of salvation. No other way. That's why all this good, humanitarian, wonderfully looking, good things that happen that are not done in the name of Jesus will not last. Because to live under the king, you have to come via the king. Then when you serve him, you serve this kingdom of God. And the good news is this kingdom is coming to reign. So what does it look like? Paul says in Romans chapter 14 that, that it looks like righteousness, peace, and joy. The church at Rome was torn apart by legalistic rules about eating and drinking. And so Paul reminds them of the true essence of the kingdom of God in terms that they would clearly understand. He says, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating or drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and approved by men. Righteousness, a community where people are made right with God and with one another. That's again where we understand this wonderful good news of what Jesus has done for us. He alone can make us right with the Father. Imagine living in a community in which the king reigns over everything, over every heart, over every mind, over every way in which everything is ever done. Imagine being a part of a community in which there is complete honesty and integrity in all relationships, in business dealings, in interpersonal communication. That's complete righteousness. Imagine a place of peace being a part of a community in which nobody cuts down anybody else, a community which only gospel is talking about people and commending them to others instead of pulling them down. Imagine being part of a community in which no one has any anxious thought because everyone lives in a complete security and confidence of their identity as a son and a daughter of the living God who rules in complete righteousness and justice. Imagine the peace. Imagine the joy. Imagine the joy of being in a community in which every encounter between two human beings causes them to walk away with more joy than when they first or last met. Imagine a people so full of joy because they know the Father's love and they worship him as they were made to, bringing forth the most incredible joy. The kingdom of God looks a lot like righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. That's the kingdom of God. 
This is a, a kingdom of glorious splendor, of powerful works, of righteousness, of a community of joy and goodness and celebration, of love and encouragement, of amazing provision in which every legitimate desire is met. It exists now. We can live in it if we want to. No wonder this was good news, this gospel. No wonder it was the only message Jesus ever wanted to communicate. How could we ever turn it into something smaller by limiting it to a set of rules or con constricting it to a behavior of standards? In contrast, though, we've got this kingdom of earth problem. Because even though accessible is the kingdom of God, it doesn't look a lot like that here or out there or anywhere much, right? How are things going in that kingdom? Who seems to be running the kingdom of earth? We're in a pretty sorry state when we objectively look at the kingdom of earth and we compare it with the kingdom of God. There's a lot of good news in the kingdom of earth for the, uh, sorry, there's not a lot of good news in the kingdom of earth. If you're poor, if you're weak, if you're, you're young, if you're old, if you're downtrodden, uneducated, powerless, if you're not serving and submitting to the king, King Jesus, then you're ruling your own domain. And guess who becomes number one and then what happens? Jesus, in response to the sad state of the kingdom earth, had a plan. He says those who wanted to be a part of the kingdom of God were to promote the kingdom of God. This kingdom of righteousness, of peace, of joy, of humility. They were to invade the kingdom of earth. Jesus taught us to pray like this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This is what Jesus devoted his life to. And this is what Jesus wants to us to devote our lives to. God brings his kingdom to this kingdom through his kingdom people, filled with his kingdom power. We live in this now and not yet. We live in this kingdom is available now through entry point of Jesus and the empowerment of his Holy Spirit in our lives. That's the good news. And we're to take this kingdom and make influence everywhere we go in this kingdom for the extension of it. But we know it's not going to be in its complete form until Jesus comes back. We live in this tension of the now and not yet, and it begs the question, just how far? Just how far does this kingdom extend? And I don't know about you, but I don't want to be someone who camps so close to this segment here where I know the answer to the questions, but I'm not living like I'm the answer to everybody else's question. Because if I have this narrow view of the gospel here, that just alone is the gospel of salvation, I won't be living a life compelled to make a difference every single where I go. And that's what Jesus wants you to do for his kingdom's sake. This is the good news of the kingdom of God. And one day he will return. 
And one day he'll establish a new heaven and earth. And he'll be present amongst the praises of his people. And he will sort out that sin issue that's already been dealt with at the cross, but its influence still lingers once and for all. And will live in complete righteousness, complete peace, and complete joy in the Holy Spirit, in the presence of Jesus right here on this earth. That sounds like good news. But that good news for eternity only happens if you'll submit to the King. Are you praying for that? Do you think his kingdom really can break in now through you? Do you really believe it can be established on earth? See, every time that we refuse to follow the ungodly patterns of the kingdom of the earth and we live out kingdom values in the power of the Holy Spirit, we bring heaven to earth. People could see in Jesus God's kingdom being done on earth as it is in heaven. And so could experience the kingdom of God drawing near do they experience it as you draw near? Do they see Jesus in you? And in Jesus, he assembles this group of followers after he ascends to heaven and the Holy Spirit falls on them and resides in them and they become the church, the beachhead for the kingdom of Jerusalem. And after they were scattered, beachheads were established in Judea and then Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. And we here at River Life are a beachhead for the kingdom of God in Brisbane, in Australia. The kingdom of God is on the move. It's already been established because of what Jesus has done here on the earth. But God is moving well beyond any one church or any one person. The kingdom of God is moving throughout this world in it. And that place, any place you can think of, nationally, internationally, underground, in prisons, in homes, in schools, in workplaces, in all sorts of communities. The kingdom of God is breaking through to earth. Heaven is coming to earth. This movement cannot be stopped. It'll never be stopped. Jesus said, even the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is not domination by force. This is a movement of God's love being displayed to people everywhere. This is not fanciful triumphalism. It's the very fulfillment of Jesus' prophetic words. It's his mission. And we can be an integral part of this awesome movement if we want to be. This is the gospel of Jesus. This is the kingdom of God. We're about to celebrate how we enter that kingdom. And I can't help but think there's some people in here who have never actually entered into the kingdom. They've never bowed a knee to King Jesus. The way in which they're made in God's image, they've created their effective range of will and they've tried to make that as big as they possibly can, but they've been the one in control the whole time. And this morning, there's an opportunity for you to bow a knee before the King of all kings, the Lord of all lords, 
the only one who can forgive you of your sin, the very thing that separates you from God the Father. For it's only in Him that you would find righteousness being made right with God, a holy God, so that you might by faith receive the wonder of His grace, the empowering of His presence in your life for the forgiveness of your sin and to inherit eternal life. That when He does bring the kingdom in its fullness, you'll be there enjoying it with Him forever. It's only through Jesus. And this morning, if that's you, why don't you say, yeah, I need that. I bow my, my knee to King Jesus so that I might be in your kingdom. So I might be there when your kingdom comes in its fullness and live with you forever. And you have recognized right at this moment you need a savior. Why don't you stand? You're in good company. Why don't you stand? You're standing here in good company, but there will be a day tomorrow when you'll have to stand for Jesus where people don't like him. You're in a room full of people who love him. It's quite easy to stand at this moment, but you're gonna be asked to stand tomorrow and next week and the week after. So it's not lightly I ask you to do this, but if you wanna to respond to Jesus right now to say, I need you as the king of my life. I need to seek your forgiveness. I need to place you in the right place of authority in my life. Why don't you stand right now? Don't miss this opportunity. Praise God. Praise God. Bless you. Bless you. Is there anyone else? I want to pray for you now. I want to pray for you now. Is there anyone else? Be brave. The bad news is it only gets harder, but the good news is He's always with you. <laughs> Be brave. Bless you. Okay. Lord Jesus, I recognize that I've sinned and fallen short of your wonderful perfection. But I thank you that Jesus, my Savior, died for me, for my sin. I thank you that more than that, He didn't die just for me. He died because He so loved the world. He loved this world that we live in. He loved all people. And Jesus, thank you for calling me into your kingdom. This wonderful good news of Jesus, the kingdom of God. Come fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I might live a life glorifying to you. Forgive me of all my sin. I place you as king of my life. Amen. Thanks for listening to this River Life podcast. Make sure you subscribe to keep up to date with all the latest content. If this podcast has raised any questions for you, Contact us via church at riverlifechurch.org.au or through Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for listening.